Welcome y'all this morning, and uh, we are excited to uh, be here. At least I'm excited to be here with you. To be on the road for about three weeks in a row, and I've been able to come back and forth on weekends. It's good to be home. And uh, don't ask me about my case, please. I don't want to talk about it. Um, but uh, been one of those bad experiences, Melvin. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, anyways, I, it's good to be home, though, and uh, it's good to be with you this morning. We are going to start our study on spiritual warfare this quarter. This is a series that I taught, I believe, back in maybe 2009 and uh, decided I was ready to maybe dive into this study again. It's a very interesting one, and I think it's one that hopefully will be profitable for you. But before we do begin this morning, let's go ahead and uh, first of all see if there's any uh, prayer requests or announcements from anybody. All right, I don't see any. Let's start off with a word of prayer. Bow with me. Dear God, our our Father, we are so thankful for the day that we can be here together, that we can be together as a family. God, we're so thankful for this first day of the week that we can set aside and focus on you and all that you've done for us, that we can open up your scripture together this morning, together as a family, learn from it, and, and also enjoy a period of worship next hour together. God, we are incredibly thankful for all that you've done in our lives. We know that there are so many things that we falter with. There are so many things that we struggle with in our own lives. God, we ask that you'd please be with us as we endure and go through those struggles, that you will help strengthen us, will help uplift us. And God, we're so thankful for the church uh, that has been established as we await your son's second coming, because we know within the church is where we can find our strength and our support. We can find our true focus and dedication as we live our lives in this world. God, we know there are so many things in this world that we don't fully understand. We ask that you help us continue to be encouraged to look into your word for the answers to those questions. And to understand that sometimes maybe all of our questions may not be answered, but we know for sure that all those things that are necessary and that are needed have been provided to us. God, we ask you to please be with those that are sick, especially of this congregation. We know there are many that are dealing with different struggles in their lives, whether they be terminal illnesses or just being sicknesses here on this earth, dealing with on a daily basis, especially as these seasons change back and forth. We know that there are many that struggle with those kind of uh, complications. Please be with them, encourage them, help them to be able to regain their strength if possible and be back with us in the assembly. God, most of all, we're thankful for Jesus. We know that without him that our battle would be a losing battle. And without him we would have no victory. And we're so thankful for his blood which was shed on the cross for our sins so that we'd have a chance to be reunited with you in heaven one day. It's through his name we pray. Amen. The concept of spiritual warfare to me is something that was not really explored. I mean, you always had these kind of questions about maybe angels or demons. You know, I remember growing up, some of those questions maybe arose. And I remember us having some healthy discussions, probably even in my teenage years, about guardian angels. Uh, some of those things that you may see propone, uh, some proponents in uh, the press or even TV shows, movies, you kind of see those concepts maybe brought in and you're questioning as a Christian, is this really the true thing? Is this really right? Is it correct? 
but the, the overall concept of spiritual warfare is probably something I didn't really dive into much until I, I guess, was a little older and kind of started thinking about the impact that we have. See, I think it's as Christians, we've got to understand that it's not just a physical battle. It is not just a physical struggle that we have in life. There's, there's really a spiritual struggle that we usually have. And it comes into play when we deal with temptations or we deal with different situations. And that spiritual part of us, we sometimes, I think, split aside and, and split away from our physical part. And I think it's a very interesting thing to, to kind of, a concept for us to kind of explore and to think about. Um, you know, but if you think about, I mean, we have, of course, physical struggles. You know, sin causes sickness or causes other things that may physically affect us. I don't think many of us are going to refute that, right? We all can probably think in our minds of someone who has struggled or fallen prey to sin. And because of that compromise in their life, they have had physical suffering. They've had physical consequences that have come. So sin, sickness, even other trials in our spiritual lives occur that you physically can experience and you, you almost feel. But when it comes to the spiritual side of things, it's a little bit more complex. It's a little bit more nuanced. It's, it's a little more subtle where we may not always grasp the, the incredible impact that something may have on a spiritual life, on our spiritual aspect. If you really want to know, I think that's why we don't have more Christians who want to be together in the assemblies. Because they don't realize, I mean, it's a physical thing of the presence of being among other Christians. Very important to be among other Christians. Uh, whenever you come to either Bible study or you come and worship together, that physical presence is so important. Why? Well, you can explore and kind of understand and think about the impact of physical presence, but I will say to me it's encouraging to see that other Christians care enough to be among the other Christians, that that priority is kind of seen in their presence. But what about the spiritual impact, the spiritual implications of being together? Uh, it's a little bit maybe tougher to explain because it's a whole other concept and a whole other kind of playing field, another whole um, plane or uh, consideration of really how does it affect us spiritually? I mean, we're kind of getting deep. And unfortunately, this class is probably going to get somewhat deeper on some things in some areas than you may have thought before. I'm not going to have all the answers to all your questions, especially when you deal with uh, these spiritual ideas of our spiritual warfare. So I want to challenge, the goal of this class, more than anything, is to expand, hopefully, and explore what God's Word has to say about certain concepts and certain participants, certain aspects of our spiritual warfare. But I hope it prods you into some further study, because in our lives, we've got to understand that our fighting, the good fight, that Paul encouraged Timothy to continue fighting that good fight of faith, is not just some surface-level battle. It's not some uh, battle that you can say, well, hey, I've conquered that, so I'm good to go. But in fact, it is a, it's something that wages war. It is consistent. It is uh, continual, I would argue, for Christians. Because there are going to be times in life that we are all challenged and we all think about whether or not we are being tempted by Satan. Are we falling prey to our own temptations or our own uh, problems and our own weaknesses 
You know, is Satan really coming after us individually? I can't wait to talk about Satan because I think it's very interesting for us to think about that. Uh, a lot of us, you know, try to blame Satan for everything, and I think we've got to take a step back and realize it's not really, I mean, Satan is probably the cause for a lot of things. But uh, our own weaknesses and our own temptations that we bring upon ourselves are the cause of many things. Satan's not right there on every one of us all the time. Satan is not omnipresent. Uh, he's not omniscient. All right, he's not like God. So to, to blame Satan for everything, I think, is, is going way too far. Uh, we got to blame ourselves sometimes. But I think there are, it's very interesting when you look at the scriptures that there are specific instances, there are examples there of Satan targeting individuals. And I think that he may target some of us even today as well. We don't always know. Why? Because again, it's spiritual. It is not seen, it is not touched, it is not always, I would say it's not even felt but it's on a, a different mindset, a different plane, so to speak, than our physical reality. And so spiritual warfare really kind of begs a question of a lot of different concepts and a lot of different things. And, and I want to kind of go through this, if I can, with respect to thinking of the um, analogies to our warfare and kind of breaking down the different participants. I want to start at the top with God. I want to talk about Satan. I want to talk about angels. I want to talk about demons. And how, in fact, those things may implicate or, or affect our Christian lives. How are they involved? What does the Scripture say about those things? How did they occur? How did they happen? How did they affect others? And the question, of course, is always going to be, do they affect us in the same way possibly today? Because I think it's very there's a, a misconception, unfortunately, in the world around us because we place all the fault and blame sometimes on those spiritual beings when in fact a lot of the blame should rest with us making those decisions. But on the same hand, we've got to realize the, the realization that there is a spiritual level. The Bible talks about it. We can't avoid it. We cannot miss it. And so even though we've got all these physical battles in our lives, they're not the only battle that we face as Christians. And in fact, if you look at some of the earliest books in the canon, some date to those that, that talk about the chronological existence of God and are part of things much early on in the overall scheme of time, you can't help but see uh, some of this concept of spiritual warfare that's, that's woven in with regard to the historical narrative of God's Word. You can't miss it. The biggest one that, that, throws, that jumps out at me more than any of is the book of Job. The book of Job. And we're going to spend some time in Job on different concepts as we look at different uh, subject matters. But Job, I believe, is very revealing on the idea that there is a spiritual war that's going on behind the, that, that's not seen, that we can't feel, that we may not always realize what's going on around us because we're here living in the physical when in fact there is a spiritual level of things as well. And we, of course, are involved, spiritually speaking, as we deal with spiritual concepts of sin and salvation and, and reconciliation with God. Those are spiritual examples. Those are spiritual realities that we have as Christians that we deal with. So we're not disconnected with the spiritual. I don't want to convey that to you at all. But the spiritual realm is something, I believe, that is very interesting to consider how it may affect us in our lives. And if you look at the book of Job, You'll see those examples kind of given there plainly, and I'm not going to delve into to Job this morning in depth, but I think it's important to, to understand that we've got to see there is a very a reality of it. 
It's not just a story. And oftentimes I believe that we kind of fall prey to the idea that, oh, Job's just a story of the Bible. And it's not a story. I mean, it is a narrative. It is something that tells us details about someone's existence and about something, events that occurred. So I guess in that respect, it's a story, but it's not some made up fairy tale. It's not a once upon a time narrative there where that it is not a reality. And oftentimes, I believe our lives, we think about the here and now. We think of the very physical. We think of what's affecting us right now in this second. And what we focus on are those things that we see and those things that we feel and those things that we can touch, those people that really just get under our skin. And unfortunately, that's just the beginning of it all. Because the spiritual implications also are right there as well. How does the spiritual aspect affect us? And so the, the concept of spiritual warfare shows us, shows showed Job there at the beginning. Actually, Job, very interesting. If you read the book of Job, and I encourage that's a great read for you before two weeks from now. We're not going to have class next week because we have friends and family day next week with uh, Brother Jeremy's going to you know, bring some lessons on that. But So we'll meet two weeks from now. I encourage you in the next two weeks, read the book of Job. It's going to be a great introduction for your mindset of thinking forward about what spiritual warfare can do. How spiritual warfare can affect someone. And Job didn't even know it. Job didn't realize it. If you step back and you kind of look at the 30,000 you know, feet above story, you see kind of how at a distance how everything kind of worked itself out, right? It's kind of like hindsight we have in our lives today. We can look back and kind of make more of a point, kind of see what happened, where we came from, what occurred, and maybe how it all interlinks and combines, right? We kind of do that sometimes. We don't know concretely. We don't know positively, but we kind of think that way. And in our minds, we think, well, that could be the providence of God. How many of you ever thought, well, maybe that's Satan getting involved in my life? I don't think we always think that, do we? Sometimes. But Job in his reality, Job in his life, experienced spiritual warfare on a very real basis and we have that detailed for us in the scriptures that Satan wanted to come after him. And if he could get Job to deny and to refuse God, he was going to have a major victory, a major conquest in that battle against God. Now, Satan knows he's not going to win the war. Y'all got to understand that. Satan knows he's not going to win the war. He knows he's fighting a losing war. I truly believe. I mean, why else would you tempt Jesus the way he tempted him there, you know, in the, in the, in the wilderness, whatever? He, those three temptations revealed to us, I believe, that Satan did not think he was going to be the one conquering. He knows God has the upper hand. How does he know it? Well, we can go back and we'll talk about Satan and his roots as we talk about this lesson series. But Satan knows. He understands. Satan's whole goal is to take as many with him as he can to take us away from God. He doesn't want God to enjoy us. He doesn't want God to have his love reciprocated. Satan wants to get in the middle of that because of his hatred and his disdain for who God is. And so throughout all that text of Job, you see this back and forth with regard to it. And when God said, have you considered my servant Job? He really threw out a challenge to Satan. And what you see is, of course, Satan directly influencing the life of Job as he lived on this earth. Now he had certain confinements, and I'm not going to get into that again. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. God had to allow him to do things. You go back and look at it. But 
Job experienced things not knowing why he experienced it. When you go back and look at his conversations with his friends, a lot of times we fault his friends. It's because we see the, the big view. We see what's going on. We know what has occurred. We know that it's God allowing Satan to do these things. But Job himself questions it, right? He questions God, thinking, what have I done to deserve this? God, are you punishing me? You see all this thing with regard to his confrontation and his discussion there with God. Because, you see, it wasn't just a physical challenge for Job. It was a spiritual challenge. Satan was able to use spiritual powers to affect physical things and to try and cause Job to deny the Creator, to refuse him and his uh, supremacy in his life, for Job to turn his back on his God. Of course, we know it didn't work. But that's what Satan was able to do. And I think this early story underscores the principles and the importance of realizing what spiritual warfare can do. And that spiritual warfare may surround our lives on a daily basis. And these spiritual battles may not be something that we can always see or touch, but they're still going to affect us. They're still going to have some implication in our lives at some juncture in time. Some of us may experience more than others. I believe because when we talk about the schemes of the devil, he's got some idea about who he can hit. And when he hits them, he can cause more damage by maybe hitting somebody else. If he goes after Peter, say, he wants to sift him like wheat. You know what Jesus told him? And Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to challenge you. He wants to bring you down. Why would he want to bring Peter down? If you could bring Peter down... Think of the implication that Peter would have on everyone else. That scheme, that planning, that cunning nature of what Satan was and, and is shows us that, of course, he has got a plan to spiritually affect us on a whole other plane than just our physical lives. He wants to bring down God's connection with us. He wants to dispute and cause us to question whether God loves us. And he's going to do whatever he can on a spiritual level to affect us, even if it means some implication in our physical lives. So this quarter, what I want to look at is spiritual warfare. And real briefly, as we've got the time this morning to introduce this subject matter, I want to look at a couple passages especially uh, as we think about this concept. There is a tendency to overlook the spiritual world in life, uh, whether that's because we are worried about it, whether it's because we are concerned and we don't understand it enough possibly, or whether it maybe is a reactionary stance that we have because this crazy world around us has all these mystical things out there. And we as Christians, and I've heard this comment before, well, we just need to stay away from that movie because there's witchcraft in that movie. And because there's witchcraft in that movie, we need to stay away from that. A very good reason, possibly. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad reason. But if you don't fully understand the implications of things, if you don't understand the connection of things, we have a tendency not to confront them or deal with them. Or maybe not even discuss them, right? I mean, how many times have you heard maybe in your workplace or uh, you know, around others in a social environment talking about someone uh, that, that God uh, was with them or that uh, you know, they, they just felt like God was on their heart? That phrase is used sometimes. You know, those kind of direct impact of the spiritual on the physical world have got to be thoroughly understood. We've got to understand those implications so we can discuss those things with others. And a lot of times we overlook or we avoid things because 
of our concerns maybe for being distracted from truth. Others may want to ensure that our faith is firmly planted, you know, on only the facts stated in God's word. So because some of these things aren't known, we don't want to necessarily discuss them. Angels is a huge thing. And I want to talk about angels. We'll probably, I can't imagine us getting through it in one lesson. Uh, but as we think about angels in the Bible, I hope it will open up your eyes to see that the images we see around this world about what angels are are really entirely wrong. At least from what the Bible explains as to what an angel looks like. And uh, I think it's very interesting to kind of have that opened up and that enlightenment in our mind. Now, is it wrong that means to, to not like an angel or to have an angel on your as an angel ornament on your Christmas tree? You know, let's say that example. Well, no, not necessarily, but it's good to know what the truth is. It's good to understand what the Bible actually says so that you can discuss those things as Christians, and that's what we want to do. A Bible student cannot avoid that there's a spiritual component on things. We cannot avoid the spiritual truths on matters. And so hopefully as we go through this quarter of study and as we think about the spiritual warfare and the spiritual realm and how it may even affect our physical realm, that our eyes are open to understand that there are different things out there and we need to study them and make sure we understand them so we can discuss them. And when friends bring up things, maybe that'll give us that opportunity to say, well, you know, that's not exactly the way it's in the Bible. I mean, there's nothing necessarily wrong with you liking angels. That's great. But you really understand that's not what an angel looks like. In fact, the only angels with wings had multiple wings, multiple eyes. They were actually a very frightful thing to see. It's not some cute little baby with little wings on them. All right, that's not the way it is in the Bible. And those myths that have been purported and suggested, mainly, I believe, uh, encouraged by the Catholic Church, and when you look at the traditions that have been embraced by them, you see those fallacies with regard to Scripture and how it has infiltrated and affected our lives. Well, if we're able to be people of the book, people of the truth, we've got to understand what that truth is so we're able to convey that to others accurately and succinctly. And so hopefully we don't overlook the spiritual world. We don't want to ignore it. We don't want to avoid it because there is a spiritual aspect of our lives. And guess what? If you are a Christian, you're neck deep in the middle of it. So you cannot overlook the spiritual. You are right there in the battle. And so as we go throughout this series, hopefully we'll be able to be encouraged not to overlook those things, but to embrace them and to seek and to search exactly what the Bible has to say about it. Not what men think. Not what men have imagined, not what men like, but what God has revealed to us regarding the spiritual nature of our lives. Paul specifically gets into the idea of this spiritual realm, and this is going to be a key verse, obviously, for this series. It's over in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, and if you've got that, you may want to flip over there. I want to read it because it's very important. We're going to be talking about a lot of the concepts here from Ephesians chapter 6 in this study, but as you think about the reality of the spiritual world. Listen to what Paul has to say here. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Now, we can get contextually here in this passage here. Paul, of course, is confronting some very specific issues, but he is challenging 
them to understand that the fight is not against the government. The fight is not against the rulers who chastise you. Guess what? The fight's not necessarily even against those who ridicule you and call you names and want to throw you down. At least your morale and your morality and your teachings. It's not necessarily against those people. It's deeper than that. And that's what Paul is trying to convey to the Ephesians here is that it's much deeper, brethren, than just going and going toe-to-toe with somebody here on this world. It's not just about debating somebody physically face-to-face. It's not just about the government beating you down, even killing you because of what you believe and what you stand for. It's deeper. It's more meaningful. It is spiritual. And you can't help but read this passage of Scripture here and see that Paul is placing a significant importance on the spiritual aspect there for Christians. Paul wanted to remind those Christians that they are fighting a battle, but that battle is not against those who are necessarily on earth. Now, do we fight against those on earth? Yeah, I guess if you want to get theoretical, yes, we are fighting against those who want to teach false doctrine. We are really going toe-to-toe with those who, who want to cause divisions in the Lord's church, who want to cause problems. Yes, we are, we are going against those individuals as well on this earth. But the reality of it is that Paul's saying it's deeper than that, though, y'all. It's, it, it's deeper. The Ephesian brethren, the, the, the concept is we are fighting against those rulers and powers and, and those world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness. That's not necessarily a man, but it's more of what that man has embraced and what has affected him, what he has succumbed to, his own sinful desires, his own attitudes of pride that become those forces of wickedness even in the heavenly places. And as you look through the Chronicles in God's Word, you'll see the spiritual component of Christians is so, so phenomenal. Because the spiritual is going to impact the physical every time. Let me repeat that. The spiritual will impact the physical every time. Think about in your own lives. How does your spiritual life impact your physical life? Now, spiritual, of course, deals with us having a mindset and a conceptualized idea and understanding of what God's Spirit wants us to have. When we talk about a spiritual life, we are talking about those things of of conceptualized ideas and understandings of what God wants us to do. Seeking after His righteousness, obeying His commandments. Those kind of things all go into play with regard to the spiritual mindset that we have. How does our spiritual impact our physical Well, I would argue to say that your spiritual mindset is always going to impact what your physical actions are. If your spiritual mindset is, I'm going to be like God, I want to follow after what God does, I want to obey Him, I want to be part of God, I want to be part of God's family. All spiritual concepts, by the way, I can't become God, literally, right? Physically, I cannot be joined to God as family. You think about that, I mean, there's no... You know, physical adoption that I have. Now, I have a spiritual adoption by following after and becoming a child of God, spiritually speaking, through the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. Again, that's a spiritual concept. Because God's, Christ's blood is not physically being poured on us, right? 
That, 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 that blood's long gone, by the way, physically speaking. It's gone. Spiritually speaking, it stays around and will always be here because the physical was impacted by the spiritual. Same thing in our lives today. When you think about the spiritual concepts, they infiltrate and they affect our daily decision making. They affect all the things that we are trying to do, that we strive to make, the decisions that we do. And so we can't avoid this concept of spiritual warfare because there's a constant battle among the spiritual and the physical. There is a constant battle even on the spiritual field of those who want you to be with God and those who don't. There's a constant battle on the spiritual field even among ourselves and inside of ourselves of us making that choice and decision to be spiritually connected with God or to be spiritually connected with those who oppose God. And us choosing which side of that battle to be on. We cannot overlook, we cannot avoid the concept of spiritual warfare. We can't downplay or disregard its existence. And if we're honest in reading God's scriptures, we see that it is an intricate part of our lives. We can't avoid it, can't ignore it. And this series of lessons hopefully will help us maybe explore some of these things we've never explored before. How they can impact us. How they affect our mindsets. And how we can understand more deeply how God influences and affects us in our spiritual lives, even today. As we look at the concepts throughout this study, hopefully those things are going to challenge us to see this ongoing struggle. What is spiritual warfare? As we kind of embark on this study, what is it? Well, I've already kind of enumerated a few things that I would like to say, but here's a couple of general comments here that I would like to kind of point out with regard to what is spiritual warfare. Well, what it is is an ongoing struggle between Christians and Satan and his helpers, I have parentheses. We'll get into his helpers. We'll get into those kind of concepts as we go through this. But it is a continual struggle. It doesn't end. And I would argue that at the point whenever you make a decision to become a Christian and wash away all those previous sins and you start anew with that clean slate in your life, washed away by the blood of Jesus, that spiritual rebirth that you have in your life, that you choose your sides. And we're going to talk about that in just a second here, hopefully, about choosing sides. But it begins then, and it will never, never, never end. You could probably argue that the battle may even begin before then, at what we call the age of accountability. I know that's that ambiguous age we always kind of talk about. But, you know, you kind of start making choices as you grow up and have a realization of, what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong, what is obedience and what is disobedience. You start making those choices early on, but there's no question about it that once you put down your stake, once you pledge your allegiance to God as being part of his army, being part of his family, that you're going to embark on a, a battle that will never end. As long as you live on this earth, you will be fighting for your life. And so it's an ongoing battle, a struggle between Christians. Uh, Paul did his best to explain this over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And this is what Paul says there. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Kind of interesting uh, 
if you don't like this series of lessons, um, Brother Billy's doing a lesson series down the hallway starting this quarter talking about taking every thought captive for the obedience of Christ. It's funny, as I was studying this, I thought I'm using the same verse Billy's going to start off with today. But it, it, it exemplifies the idea here that our battle, when it is waged, is something different. And it is something separated and different from this fleshly world that we have uh, because it's on a different level. It's on a spiritual level. And so we have to understand that these things with regard to what spiritual warfare, the battlefield is not necessarily on a, a fleshly field. It is not on some kind of a physical battleground. You know, you can go to so many different battlegrounds and in, the, in this rich history of this country, or you can go in the world battles that we've had, and you can find battleground after battleground where someone has fought. And you can go there even today and say, you know, there's a big plaque there talking about this is the battlefield that, you know, so-and-so battle occurred in. And it, and it exemplifies that this is physically where something happened. Well, in our spiritual warfare, those spiritual battles don't occur on a physical plane. There's something much different. And so our weaponry is going to be different. We don't uh, walk according to the flesh. We walk according to the spirit. So our weaponry is going to be spiritual in nature. Those things that we are involved in are going to be spiritual in those battles. And so we've got to be cautious as we think about our spiritual warfare to understand that it, is, it may be hard to grasp at times, but this ongoing battle between Christians and our spiritual lives and Satan's and his schemes and his evil tricks are going to be continual on a different playing field so that we've got to understand. Uh, we've got to uh, be challenged to think about uh, exactly what, what we are doing, where we are going, and what choices we are making to make sure they comply with what God wants for us. What is spiritual warfare? Real quickly here, it is a war against evil. War against evil. Evil is a spiritual concept. Now, we talk about good or bad all the time, or even right or wrong all the time, but when you really think about good and evil, you really start alluding to something that is of a spiritual nature. Sometimes even good or bad even can get, get that way as well uh, when you think about it. But it, something is evil, evil is something that we can't use all the time, our five senses to uncover. Now, sometimes we see the repercussions of evil. We see the impact of evil because of what it is, but there's no evil radar so that we can see it before it happens. Evil is evil. And so evil is going to be a spiritual mindset. It is a concept, a learned attribute of, of something, an idea, a thought, or an action that's contrary to God's established law. And so, you know, in our lives, we've got to remember there are really two answers, two, two options with regard to this spiritual war. Uh, spiritual warfare is either against good or it's against evil. You're either on the good side or the evil side. There's no real contradiction or complication, like if you were to open up and watch Star Wars, for example. Whether or not, is the dark side really the good side or the bad side? You know, you get in those kind of philosophical, I've, I've heard all kinds of people go back and forth whether Darth Vader was actually good or bad. Of course, we kind of see, you know, as the whole storyline unfolds, I mean, it's, it's crazy, right? It's fiction, of course, but I think it's underlining something that's a very real thing to us. That sometimes we feel like we can't figure out who's good and who's bad, right? But in the spiritual war, when we are part of a spiritual battle, you better be sure which side you want to be on. Because you've only got two choices. 
you got two choices. You're either part of the good or, or part of the evil. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 9 talks about where God told his people to make sure when they went out of the battle, they keep, kept themselves from every evil thing. He forewarned them that when they went in the battle, there would be evil things out there. Don't be encumbered. Don't be embracing them. And the army of God was abstained from anything that would cause them to be unclean or compromised those commandments that have been given by God. Those who turn away from God, lead others astray, and, and follow those who are godless are shunned in God's word because they are an evildoer. You see the word evildoer a lot. And again, it's a lot easier to see evil whenever someone's doing it, right? It's a whole lot easier. Would anybody say that what Hitler did was good? No, they wouldn't. He was an evildoer. He was an evildoer. We know it because of what he did. The fruits of his conduct showed exactly what he was. That's the same thing Isaiah chapter 9 and, and uh, verse 17 talks about is that those who turn away from God, those who lead others astray, those who follow those who are godless are shunned. Why? Because they are evil doers. And sin is equated with evil in the scriptures. Uh, uh, Psalm chapter 59 verses 1 through 2 talk about the, the concept there that sin separates us from God. Why? Why does it create enmity? Why does it create that division between us and God? It's because it's evil. It's because God cannot be a part of it. And so because it is evil, it is not good. It is something that God shows us that we cannot be a part of. If something's in contrary to God's law, it is sin. First John chapter 3 and verse 4. And so if it's not part of God's law, if it is sin, it is going to be something that is evil. And so if we are doing those things that are evil, obviously we will be marked as an evil doer. Committing evil deeds, bringing sin to fruition, is the ultimate antitype to righteousness. It's the exact opposite of those things which God wants us to do. In fact, uh, the fruits of being evil have nothing to do, uh, have nothing but death to the spiritual life. We see that in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death. And so we know that our spiritual war, our spiritual battles, are waging war against sin. Why? Because that sin brings division from God, and ultimately the only result of sin is going to be death. Brother Melvin. Oh, Brother Nell. Miss Nell. Yeah, there's a lot more implication to evil. To evil. I mean, it, it, it's listen. When my daughters come home with grades that are not good grades, we say yeah, those are bad grades. Okay, that doesn't mean they're evil grades. I mean, I think we have an understanding that there is yes a, a difference, but there are some similarities though. But that that the badness of an individual could easily become evil, or could be make cause them to become an evil doer. Um, you know, when the decisions and the choices we make, I agree 100 percent with you that uh, the idea of, of evil is really multi-layered in some respects, but it's still always, and when you see in Scripture, when someone's called an evildoer, it is something that is in direct contradiction to what God would have. 
And I think that's what the, the, the scriptures and what God wants us to see is the idea that when we wage war in these battles in our spiritual lives against those evildoers or against those things which are evil, we are waging war against the very thing that could cause us to be split and changed and separated from God. Yeah, they are. There's always a deliberate, I think, aspect to them uh, because that's what sin is. There's no accidental sin, by the way. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe that anybody would argue there's an accidental sin. Uh, the sin is something that's purposefully done. It's or we don't get legally is knowingly done, or it's, it's something that the person it has the ability to understand that God wants something different, and instead of following what God wants, you make the decisive decision yourself that you're going to do something different. And so that's what evil is. It's really taken almost even that to the greater extent, right? Because evil is someone who I can just see sitting back saying, okay, how can I spread this? How can I, I make sure? And that's, that's the, the greatest extent of it, I believe. But even though one of us were to live in sin, that someone may say, oh, it's just a little sin. It, there's, no, there's no such thing as little or big sins in God's eyes. And so we've got to understand that we, could, we fall prey to that. That spiritual concept of fighting evil has got to be ingrained in our minds because we want to fight against sin. We want to fight against all those things which will bring down our spiritual lives and the spiritual lives of others. Or we're not doing what we should do as Christians. Following good impacts our soul. Amos chapter 14, uh, Amos chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 through 34. The idea of forsaking evil, following good impacts our spiritual souls. Yes, Brother Melvin. I didn't hear. I didn't see. Who? We <laughs> Let's go down for the good food, right? Well, I think that could take a whole class in and of itself to talk about the Christian's influence and impact of going places that might have things that are not good. I mean, the whole point, and y'all didn't hear a question. She's talking about Christian told her she, they were going to Mardi Gras, but they weren't going to be involved in all the things. And how does that you know, affect, or what is my stance on that? And I think what we've got to look at is the overall aspect of life. As a Christian, what should our priorities be? And I think that, that marries very well with this idea here that we see in Amos chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6 and other verses that talk about placing our priorities with what is right, what is good. Um, that we've got to be focused on thinking about not sinful things, not those things which are evil in nature, but those things which are good, those things which are profitable. And if you're following those things which are good, those things which are kind of proponent uh, that God proposes in, in his commandments and, and embraces with regard to how he encourages people to behave and, and to act and where they're supposed to go and all those things, you're going to have a lot of these bigger other questions, just, just like that question, I believe, answered for you as a Christian. Should I go to this place? Should I be a part of this gathering? Should I be around these people? Your question should always go back here is, as I'm fighting this spiritual battle, because you can better believe if you were to be in that situation, you're going to, have, going to be hit on all kinds of sides with different spiritual things. That we as Christians have got to ask ourselves here, is, is this decision going to lead me to blessings? 
Is it going to lead me to something that is good? Is it going to lead to something that God wants? And as we wage war against evil in life, we understand that our focus and our priorities should be on God. A lot of other things are going to start taking the back seat if we get that priority right. That we're going to have our focus maintained. We're going to have those things in our life set in order so that we're going to know what's going on. And, and ultimately the impact's going to be on earth. Uh, and each and every soul that seeks righteousness instead of evil are going to be encouraged and they're going to be blessed. Again, the spiritual affects the physical and vice versa as well. What we decide physically can impact us spiritually. And so when you think about fighting this spiritual war, when we fight these battles on this earth, we understand that this war is, a wage, is waged against evil. We're going to understand that our life has got to be prioritized to the point that we follow and do those things which God wants us to do. It's also a war involving unseen beings. I'm not going to focus on this too much because we're going to get to several lessons. Humans aren't the only ones involved. If you look in Ephesians chapter 6, there's a lot of different uh, individuals. There are different beings, powers that are enumerated. Uh, there, uh, the spiritual beings you see in the Scripture uh, explain how they are involved and they interact both with God and with man at times. Uh, and the influence and the impact that they have in the past, we can look at those studies and see, could that happen in the future? We need to rightly divide these things, the evil from the good, and learn from those who have fought before so that we can continue to fight as we move forward and we go forward. It's a war affecting our souls real quickly. I like to end with this, and I'll end with this this morning, even though I'm not even halfway through, I don't think. But this is the mindset that we often have is that we are a body with a soul, right? I mean, when you think about any of the discussions, we think about God creating us, and he created a body, and then he gave us a soul. So we are a body with a soul. I challenge you as we go through this study that that mindset be changed. Yes, we are a body with a soul, and they are jointly created together by God. I'm not going to get into the mechanics of that and the arguments from Scripture with regard to that. But think of it this way. If our mindset changed to that we are a soul within a body, how would our mindset change in what we did and what we said, where we went? Our mindset would be totally, totally different. And that's what I challenge you as Christians to think. As we embark on this study of spiritual warfare, the implications of of the spiritual world into our daily lives and our existence. I challenge you to think of this. You're not just a body with a soul, but you are a soul within a body. And I think that's going to change your mindset and your perspective as we move forward, thinking about what implications and what importance are there as we think about all these different facts and all these different things. Next uh, two weeks from now, the lesson is going to be our commander-in-chief. We're going to be talking about God. But I encourage you, like I said earlier, read the book of Job. Uh, read the book. you got two weeks to read the book of Job. I think it will be a good baseline for you to think about our commander-in-chief being God and what he demands, what he plans, what he intends, and what his purpose is there as he leads this battle every day. Thank you all for your kind attention.